When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the PHNX Diamondbacks podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Derek is not here, everyone. He ditched us for Disneyland, of all things. Um, So you're stuck with me. I am uh, Jesse Friedman, of course, the Thunderstick, the vice mayor around here. And today I am joined by Jeff Weiser, uh, Jeff is a longtime Diamondbacks analyst and writer, and he's written for The Athletic. He's written for Baseball Prospectus. Uh, his words have a certain amount of weight to them. Uh, anytime you have a guy with those kind of credentials around, you know that he means business. So, uh, Jeff, we're excited to have you today. I'm excited to be here, Jesse. I know we've done our share of podcasts together, and um, the live element is cool. Um, I'm super stoked for what y'all have been doing over here. So, Glad to be here. It's going to be exciting. Um, yeah, looking forward to the next hour together. Yeah, I think we both feel a little bit exposed, right? And I, I've sort of gotten over this because I've been here for a while. But uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, me and Jeff did uh, the Rattle podcast for a number of years together. And we were proudly audio only. Uh, we yeah. could stare at our notes the entire time. We never had to look at the camera. We couldn't even see each other. We did a phone call every time. We did like a Jeff, somehow we did a Skype phone call, which I'm yeah. not sure Skype even like exists anymore. Um, but yeah, somehow uh, somehow that's how we did our shows. Um, but anyway, we're uh, really happy to have all of you here with us today. We have a lot to get to. Uh, <laughs> and Derek, of course, pops in and says, don't screw this up. Um, well, my, you know what, Derek? Best, Derek? You're you're the one uh, you're the one who left us for Disneyland. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, there's no pressure. Um, but anyway, uh, Jeff, this Diamondbacks team is uh, pretty dang good, at least right now. Over the last week, um, they have been uh, very very good. They've won five out of six games uh, coming out of the All Star break. They've outscored their opponents thirty nine to thirteen in that stretch. Um, I don't think anyone is here to say that the Washington Nationals are like a great team. Uh, and I think they caught the San Francisco Giants at a pretty good time, too, where the Giants were coming off a sweep and had lost four in a row coming into the series. So it's a little bit hard to know uh, how much to read into this stretch. But uh, no matter what way you slice it, the Diamondbacks have played some very good baseball lately. Yeah, I mean, you queued it up like Washington's not great. No, uh, the Giants are <laughs> scuffling, right? But you still have to take the field, right? You still have to play with some intensity. And if you face a team, like if you, you know, you face a kind of a bottom dwelling team and you face a team that's kind of on the ropes at the moment, like you need to handle your business. And the Diamondbacks yeah. have done that. And I, I think that's like, uh, I think that's worthy of like a little bit of recognition, right? I mean, um, yeah. Even yesterday afternoon, like, I mean, the Giants kind of started making a push and they were able to like close the door and, and hold them off. So um, I'm actually pretty pumped. I mean, the pitching's been been mostly pretty good. Um, they've allowed just over two runs a game in that six game. Yeah. The yeah. offense has been doing like a ton of damage. I mean, it's it's impressive. I mean, for they're coming out firing. And I, I think for where they are kind of right now, it's like all you can really ask for. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, yeah, 39 to 13 is, you know, doing this in commanding yeah. fashion. It's not like these are a bunch of one run games that they're somehow finding a way to yeah. get by. Um, one name that has really stuck out to me lately, Jeff, is is Jake McCarthy. And I know you and I have uh, just kind of talked about him off and on over the years where, you know, his his scouting report has generally been that of like a fourth outfielder. Like, he, I don't think that many guys have viewed him as like an everyday player that you want to plug into the lineup every day. But the more you watch this guy play, it just kind of feels like he really could have some staying power in this league. I was talking about this with Derek yesterday. There aren't that many fourth outfielders who have elite speed 
and play like a pretty darn good outfield with the potential to play center field as well. And also have what appears to be like a league average bat potentially. I know it's like a really small sample size at this point. So I don't know if we can say that yet. Uh, But Jake McCarthy has had a really, really good stint here coming out of the all-star break. And I've been really impressed by it. He seems like the kind of guy that you kind of need to have in there every day, which unfortunately only makes things more complicated for a team that has so many outfielders as it is. This outfield, like this plethora of outfield options, something we'll probably come back to a couple times today. Um, Yeah. But I'm sort of torn, right? I mean, I can see like sort of, I can see McCarthy through sort of two lenses. To me, he's still sort of that like fourth outfielder type. And that to me is like, just kind of the trajectory that he's sort of been on. And I think he's kind of, you know, maybe pushed up like a half step from there. Um, But the thing that gives me like optimism is that he's 24. He's not that old. Yeah. Uh, And like, let's face it. The guy's just got like athleticism to bird. I mean, he's a tremendous athlete and you look at how fast he is, but look at him physically. Like he's yoked. Like he is not, (laughs) <laughs> it's not like he's super fast because he's like five foot seven in a total speedster. No, I mean he's a big dude. So um I, he's a curious case to me. Like I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure who he is. I think I still sort of lean on the like reserve side of that. I'm not sure he's an everyday player, like long term. Um, what do you think? What do you need to see? Are you looking at is it mostly the bat? Is that mainly what you're yeah. thinking of? For me, it would be the bat and, and like more of a prolonged uh, like track record of success. Now, actually, I mean, if we kind of look at like his his overall stats for over the course of the year, he's been trending upwards over the course of the year, um, yeah. especially a lot of late. But like he started slow and has built. And I think there's even something to be said for that. Right. Like the persistence to stay after it, um, you know, to knock it down. And so. I think it's all kind of moving the right direction. I'm just not sure where it shakes out yet. I'm not like totally there. And I think the one thing Mm. I look at is I'm like, I think even this season, he still only has like 120 at bats or 120. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really small sample. Yeah. I just can't, I can't like dive all the way in just yet, but, um, (laughs) but I'm feeling better about it. I'll say that. Do you think, uh, I think you tweeted this yesterday that Dalton Varsho sort of looks like a guy that you have to have in the outfield, which again, is like <laughs> great, wonderful, another outfielder, yeah. right? Um, but I think you're right. I mean, he's just so good out there, which I think came as a shock to a lot of people. The Diamondbacks have had a lot of guys come up from the minors uh, where you felt like they they didn't really have a position. And for a while, it seemed like Dalton Varsho was one of those guys where it's like, okay, you know, his bat might be something, but where are you going to play him? And yeah. he's made it clear that he is not one of those guys. I mean, he played a really good center field, according to what some of the defensive metrics say. He played a really good center field, and then Alec Thomas came up and took that role away from him. Uh, now he's been playing uh, quite a bit of right field, which I don't know if his arm necessarily plays the best out there, but he certainly has the speed to move around and make some really good plays. So I don't know, Jeff. I, do you put him back at catcher at some point, or is he just another another part of the outfield logjam that this Diamondbacks team has? I don't know, man. I mean, Cardinals mini camps going right. I mean, I put him in the slot and see what he can do. For me, I just, man, he's so good out there. I mean, a couple of those ropes that were hit to right. I mean, he ran one down yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> kind of made like a odd dive, but just like going for it on another one. It ended up being a ground rule double, but uh, sure. he just covers so much ground. I mean, he just plays like, you know, it's just max effort 24 seven like the outfield walls are probably scared of him. Like um, I just, <laughs> he's just gonna, I, he just is such a, such a dynamic talent. I mean, I think what's hard is like, we just know how much catching beats up the body. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I go back and forth on, you know, in one sense, it'd be a real luxury to have a player with as much athleticism and offensive kind of upside as him behind the plate. Like that would be nice. But then on the flip side, him getting worn down and or hurt and just not having him around is like quite the penalty. So to me, I mean, I'm starting to feel more and more like I'd like to see him in the outfield probably 90% of the time. Sure. Um, and I know that's hard because we're coming back to this outfield issue, but like it's a tough thing, but that's probably where I would love to see it. Um, I think the hard thing too for the organization is they've just, they've struggled with like catcher depth for quite a while. Um, yeah. And so like when Carson goes down for 
six weeks or eight weeks, it's like, can you have, you know, what's the drop off here? Like, can you put Varsha behind the plate five days a week and stick someone else in center? You know, Jake McCarthy gets a ton of playing time. Is that better than Jose Herrera being there, you know, uh, behind the plate? So I don't know. It's kind of tough. I'd love to see them do a little more to beef up, like maybe that, uh, that catching position behind Carson. So if, and let's be honest, when he gets hurt, we have to sacrifice <laughs> like six or eight weeks of our show because, you know, his downturn really, I mean, and it, maybe it's happenstance, but his downturn really did kind of come on the heels of him moving into the the catching role and catching every day on like a regular yeah. basis. And that's really when the back kind of dove. So, right. Yeah. I'd like to see him in the outfield. That's me. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Um, I think he's he's a better outfielder than he is a catcher. Not to say that he's, mm-hmm. I think he's maybe taken some some strides behind home plate and is has shown himself to be serviceable back there. But he's a clearly above average outfielder, and you know it's it's hard not to put him there when, like you said, uh, if you were to put him at catcher, he would you know it's going to take a toll on his body. It's probably going to make it harder for him to get in the lineup every day. Um, yeah. Ben says Herrera is a good defender though. And the pitching staff sure. likes him, which is, which is fair. Sure. Yeah. We've heard, we've heard a lot of positive things from diamondbacks pitchers about Jose Herrera behind the plate. And I mean, frankly, that's why he's still on the major league roster, right? I mean, he's not here yeah. for his offense. He's here for that. And I think he's done, I think he's done a, a pretty good job with that. Uh, Jeff, if I were to say that the over under on major league players that the diamondbacks are going to trade by Tuesday is two and a half. Are you taking the over or the under? And no, I did not warn Jeff about this question in advance. So I'm putting you on the spot, Jeff. What do you, what do you think? Um, let me ask, can I ask a clarifying question? You can ask a clarifying question. I'll allow that. (laughs) If they trade someone who's in the minor leagues, does that count towards my two and a half over under cap? Um, I'll say no, no, just major league players currently on the active roster. I'm going to take the under. Okay. I'm take the under. How about you? Mm. Um, I would probably also take the under, which yeah. feels pretty crazy to think because it there does. have been a lot of names. There have been a lot of names uh, circulating in uh, in trade rumors. We've heard David Peralta, which feels like, at least for me, that's one of the two guys. Um, we've heard Christian Walker in trade rumors, Ian Kennedy, Joe Mansupply, Madison Bumgarner was thrown around. Um, as a possible trade candidate as well. Um, I'm assuming, Jeff, is David Peralta one of the two, and then there's some other guy you're thinking of as well? Yeah, I think it's... I think Peralta... I think Peralta has to go for two obvious reasons. His contract expires at the end of the year, so it's dead money. Yeah. They're not going to they're not going to extend him a qualifying offer. Like that's not happening. So there's really no incentive to keep him. Plus, you also free up one of those outfield spots. So, so right. bonus there. Um. And then I would assume they can move one of their relief arms. If that's Mantiply or Ian Kennedy or somebody that assume there's a reliever that they can probably move to. So those would be my two kind of like my two kind of locks. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm with you there. I would probably take Peralta and and Kennedy. Um, Ben says maybe it's sentimentality, but I feel like if we trade Walker, we're selling low. Um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of weird. Like Christian Walker is having a pretty darn good season. I know yeah. his batting average is still like really lame. And so a lot of people look at his numbers and are like, oh, this guy is, you know, this guy is not having a very good year. Uh, when in reality, it seems like there's probably some bad luck behind that. But um, but yeah, what, what do you think, Jeff, about the possibility of moving a guy like Christian Walker? I know he has been one of the names that I think Gambo tweeted a, a couple of weeks ago that Christian Walker, along with Joe Mansupply, those were the two guys that were drawing the most interest from teams. You could definitely see how a guy like Christian Walker would be enticing, especially given what he gives you on the defensive side of things. But it's it's tough. I mean, he's controllable for a couple more years. The D-backs don't really have any other great options at first base, as far as we know. So it's a little bit tricky. It is. It's hard for them. Um, I mean, I feel like with Walker at some point you gotta, you gotta make a decision and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to feel like he's going to be part of like the next really good diamondbacks team. Like I just, yeah, I feel strongly about that. And and that's nothing against Christian, but it just kind of at, at where this team is in its development and where he is in his career. Uh, I just have a hard time seeing uh, him being part of the, the kind of the next wave. 
I mean, he is currently like one of the only right-handed, you know, power threats, uh, but, you know, it just makes it kind of tough. So um, I think he probably goes. Uh, and I, I mean, I know I didn't peg him with Peralta and a reliever, but if it isn't one of those other two, I think Walker's a guy that because the trade interest and you could probably sell kind of high. I mean, look, we know what we've been harping on, right, because of the lane batting average is that the stat cast metrics, the hard hit data, the extra fly balls, yeah. right, are like, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of teams that are going to buy that, love it, and it might suck, and we might watch him <laughs> go somewhere else and hit a bunch more tanks. Um, but I just kind of think it is what it is. I, I just not sure he's a long term piece. He's older. It's probably time to, it's probably time to move him if you can. Real quick before we get into our next segment here, uh, I want to give a quick promo for our membership over at gophnx.com. Head over to gophnx.com today, become a member of the family, and you'll get either a free t-shirt from the PHNX Locker or your first month for just 50 cents. Uh, Just for signing up, Jeff has a stash of at least 12 of our t-shirts, if I'm not mistaken, at home. So, um yeah, yeah, he, he's there all over the floor right now um, in his office. He's just counting them as we speak. So, uh, yes, but go head over to gophnext.com. You'll get that free T-shirt if you go with the annual membership. And if you go month to month, you'll get your first month for just 50 cents. Uh, with that said, we have a special guest in the house here. Uh, the one, the only Mike Farron, who is a host for MLB Network Radio, is here. Uh, Jeff and Mike go uh, way back. So uh, way, back. This, way, way back. Um, since probably before I was born, I don't know. I can't confirm that, but, uh, like anyway, 12, right. So, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, give or take. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Mike, we're happy to have you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on with us today. Happy to do it. It's good to see you guys. You too. Mike, we were just talking about the uh, the Diamondbacks trade deadline and uh, what they might be looking to do between now and Tuesday. Um, it sort of feels like maybe things got more complicated with the fact that the Diamondbacks just won five out of six over the last six days. Um, and things have maybe sort of uh, changed. Maybe they're changing course. It's a little bit hard to say for sure at this point. Um, just what are your thoughts on the trade deadline with this team overall? Yeah, I don't think that the course has changed. Um, you know, I, I think Mike Hazen was pretty, I mean, he's been pretty public about it since maybe like May or June that their goal is to add major league pieces and that they only view there being a couple of acquisition windows via trade. One is the off season and the other is ahead of the trade deadline. And so I think he would like to add someone potentially that has some impact. Uh, especially on the offensive side, I think. Um, and so, you know, I think that's probably what he's looking at. I think you're probably in an ideal world for them looking at a deadline that's similar to the 19 one where they traded Zach Grinke, but then they also acquired Zach Gallen mm-hmm. and Josh Rojas and, and, you know, a number of players there. So I think it's a little different in that, you know, there's not that Grinke player that they're going to deal um, yeah. You know, I think David Peralta is probably a good candidate to get moved. I think, especially with Ben and getting traded last night, mm-hmm. and I'm just tracking my trade rumors notifications. Okay, nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, you know, with Peralta, Peralta probably becomes the best left-handed outfield bat that's on the market. You know, I would I would slot him yeah. ahead of Jack Peterson, especially since San Francisco doesn't isn't sure what direction they want to go. Um, and I know that'll be sad for Diamondbacks fans. And you know, David's been really important as one of the more popular players here. But you know, he's now 35 and he's getting to the end. Uh, of his career and they have a lot of left-handed hitting outfielders that they'd like to play. So um, I would say that he's probably at the forefront of that group. Um, You know, maybe there's a reliever that goes or Ian Kennedy, if Zach Davies pitches well this weekend, whether it's in the big leagues or in a rehab start, or or at least he pitches healthy. I mean, we kind of had this conversation with somebody somebody at the ballpark the other day, like we know what Zach Davies is, right? Like we've got, he hasn't been any different since he came up with Milwaukee, right? Since they got him from, from the Orioles. So like, we know what he is as long as he's healthy. Maybe there's a team that needs a back end starter like him. I think St. Louis would kind of fit there, but I don't. I don't think that there's going to be very much that moves from the major league roster overall. And I think their hope is that they can use some of the farm system um, and some of the younger players that maybe have matriculated to the big league level to be able to add someone that fills a significant long term need. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you you kind of draw the parallel to 2019 on something Jesse and I have kind of already previously talked about where it kind of feels like a buy and sell situation. Mm -hmm. And my, my kind of take on that is that 
you know, this front office has done two things pretty consistently. They're not going to sell just to sell. They're not going to do it just to do it. And if they can find value somewhere, they'll take it. And so, I mean, what's your, how do you feel about maybe those two statements and just kind of like, um, you know, the, the possibility there of them maybe looking externally while still looking to offload, like where maybe specifically if they're looking to acquire, you, you say, you feel it's more on the offensive side. Uh, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think they need some right-handed compliments yeah. to the, I mean, like they, they have yeah. a really good collection of outfield prospects that are almost all in the upper minors. <laughs> Yep. With yeah. the exception of Drew Jones, and Drew Jones is, you know, like he's going to be when he does play, you know, probably next year at this point with, with the shoulder yeah. issue, you know, he's going to open a Visalia. So, I mean, you're talking about whether it's Farsho or Thomas or Carroll or Fletcher or McCarthy, like they're all lefties. So they need yeah. somebody to compliment that, I think. Yeah. You know, I think they can still look on the left side of the infield. I know Rojas has done a great job um, yeah. at third base, and I'm a big Josh Rojas fan anyway, but I think that's a spot that they could do. I think they could potentially look for a long-term answer or longer-term answer at first, but they really like Christian Walker and I think they'd have to be blown away. And I, you know, it's funny, somebody just dropped in the chat, Stone Garrett. So yeah. Stone, Stone Garrett is actually really interesting because nobody is quite sure what to do with Stone yeah. Garrett. And I was asking about yeah. it yesterday <laughs> with someone and they were like, yeah, like, listen, the numbers are really good in AAA. They were yeah. really good in AA, but they've also been really good in two extreme hitter environments in Amarillo sure. and Reno. Right. And you know, Garrett right. was a decent prospect. I saw him in the New York Penn League All-Star game like years ago after he was an eighth rounder um, by the Marlins. And, and like he's an interesting guy, but you know his role, if he has one, is probably more up and down right-handed hitter just based on what, what we know about his scouting yeah. history than it is somebody who's an impactful player. He's also 27 or almost 27. So, yeah. sure. um, you know, so I, I don't know that he necessarily – fits that mold of core guys going forward. So I would think there, and I think, you know, they're always looking for controllable starting pitching. I mean, the thing is they yep. have some interesting arms. You know, a year ago, we were talking about some of the struggles of the offensive players in the minors. And the feeling was, well, this is a pitching rich system now. And now you see some of the numbers from the pitching guys, you are like, ah, you know, maybe outside of Tommy Henry, it doesn't look great. But again, they're having to pitch in Amarillo. They're having to pitch in Reno. They're having to pitch yeah. in Visalia. Yeah. Those are extreme right. hitter environments. So, yeah. You know, I think there's, I think it's a pretty well balanced system, really. I think it's a really good one. Um, and I think there are a lot of different paths that they can go down. But if they're going to add to Major League Club, I think they're always going to look for it, it, there, there needs to be somebody who is an impactful middle of the order type bat to go to the middle of that lineup. Yeah. Mike, the, the D backs are 45 and 53. They're six and a half games out of the playoff picture as we speak. Is that safe to say this is a, a pretty big win of a season all around, at least so far? I know it's hard to say that when you're not over 500 and you're not maybe right in the thick of the playoff picture. But given where the team was a year ago, I mean, it's an enormous step forward. Yeah, I mean, I think if they end up, I think they're on pace to go like 77 and 85. I mean, that's a 25 win improvement over last yeah. season. So that's a huge win. Yeah. Now, I think there are a couple things you have to keep in mind. That team wasn't 110 losses bad. I no. mean, they were in the way they no. played on the field. But from a construction standpoint, remember, they were really thin. Payroll had been cut back. There wasn't a whole lot of room to spend on depth. And what did in their season in that eight and 58 stretch, it was that they had four members of their starting rotation go out at the same time. And uh, right after they had had five members of their starting lineup go out and like their, their best bench piece was Estrubal Cabrera who you know, wore down and got hurt. So like there just wasn't any depth last year. And that's a big reason why they ended up where they were. Um, but I, I think it, yeah, I think it's a step in the right direction for sure, but they're not quite to the point where I view them as contenders yet. Yeah. As Drupal and I share the same set of knees, I feel like these days. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so thinking about kind of like um, what we have coming up after the, you know, after the all-star break, I hate calling it the second half because it's not really half. But right. It's true. It's true. But antics aside, <laughs> um, what does, like, what are the success markers? Like if we're going to watch the rest of the season, we know they're not going to, they're unlikely to maybe be a 500 ball club. Maybe some other teams sell and they could beat up on some people and you know, shoot, maybe they get there. Uh, but like, aside from wins and losses, like where should we focus our, 
energy as as fans and and kind of where uh, success lies. I mean, I think continued adjustments from Varsho and and Thomas. I think that's one spot. Yeah, and seeing how they do a, a strong second half from Geraldo Perdomo, I think would answer a lot mm-hmm. of questions. Um, you know, they love Perdomo. They love his makeup. Yeah. They love his personality. They love everything yeah. about him. So. I think that would be uh, really helpful. Um, and I think, you know, seeing um, Corbin Martin take a step forward, if he's able to be in the strike zone a little bit more, maybe getting a first look yeah. at Tommy Henry, um, you know, maybe even getting a first look at Brandon Fat. you know, mm-hmm. some of those guys, I think that would be what I would be looking for in the final two months of the season. I think those are, you know, letting those guys, um, get their feet wet and get their opportunities um, to pitch at the big league level, you know, for a couple of those guys, I think it's really important, but um, that those are the things that I would be focused on more so than the wins and losses, just trying to see what kind of improvement you see from the young players that have already been here. And then, you know, who you get a chance to see debut, which could be in us. And heck, there's that chance that Corbin Carroll could debut you know, yeah. in, the, in yeah. the last two months of the season. And that'd be pretty exciting. I mean, I want to caution a little bit. I know pipeline now has him as the number two overall prospect. Like, and I know what his home run totals look like. Carol's not going to be a, a home no. run hitter. Like it's going to be doubles and maybe 10 to 15 homers, but good defense, yeah. good speed. He can hit like there's, he's going to be one of those guys that cobbles together, you know, potentially four war seasons as yeah. because of his all-round game, not because he's going to yeah. be, you know, cranking balls over the boards. It's very much like non-MVP season Jacoby Ellsbury type right. player, which is really, really good awesome. and really, really valuable. <laughs> yeah. Mike, last question for you here. Um, a lot of Diamondbacks fans were very, very angry over the offseason when they made the choice to bring back Tori Lovello. Mm-hmm. It's obviously not super common, right, to bring back a manager fresh off a 52-win season. That's a bit unconventional um, in this game. Do you think, I know they they brought back Tori. I believe he has a team option uh, for next year. So uh, his future sort of hangs in the balance right now. What do you think just about the job that Tori has done this season? And do you think that he is a guy the Diamondbacks will stick with for years to come? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really biased in this because yeah. uh, I'm a big Tory Lovello guy. So, <laughs> I mean, it's I might be the wrong person to ask to get an, uh, an unvarnished opinion, but um, I thought it was absolutely the right move. The reason they lost 110 games had a lot to do with the roster construction and very little to do with who the manager was. Um, I think the fact that you have seen him help to implement a plan that works from the major league level down through the minor league speaks to how the front office feels about him. Um, You know, he's extremely close with Mike Hazen. And so I think that's uh, a part of it as well. And I think he's also, you know, his strength is player development, right? Like that's what he, he, as a background in, um, you know, having managed in both Cleveland and Boston's farm systems and, you know, what he's come through and what he really benefits or what he really loves. So yeah, I think Tori absolutely should be here. I, I don't see any reason why um, he should be like, Oh, I thought in a lot of respects, his decision-making in game last year was the best that it's ever been, but it was completely masked by the fact that they didn't have the talent <laughs> to compete. Yeah. You know? So like, I, I think, um, you know, I would be in favor of him getting uh, a, an extension. And I think, you know, I think they're in really good hands. I think they're a very good front office. I think it's a very good man. I think it's a good manager. And I think it, it's the right combination of people more than anything. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think they're heading in the right direction so long as that there's there continues to be the level of patience that ownership has shown, which hasn't always been their hallmark. And my hope is that that continues because I think yeah. these are the kind of high integrity individuals that they've long wished to have, and they now have them. Yeah. Mike, we really, uh, we really appreciate your time. I know Jeff missed you a lot, so I'm glad we could facilitate this moment where you guys could get some FaceTime. Uh, That's so not what a text thanks. message sounded like this morning from him. When I got it. It, wasn't, it wasn't quite as complimentary, Jesse. So. Ah. <laughs> uh, thanks, Mike. We appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Take care, Mike. guys. That was Mike Farron, the one, the only, the legend from MLB Network Radio. Always great to have Mike on. Uh, a couple of uh, words here from uh, some of our uh, partners here at PHNX. First of all, from OGs. Uh, OGs just launched their first ever limited edition seasonal flavor, which is pina colada, a perfect pineapple and creamy coconut blend. Uh, of course, we're talking about OG's gummies. Uh, you can check out OG's online at ogsbrands.com and on Instagram 
at OG's Brands. Uh, you can also find their products at your local dispensary. Uh, must be 21 years or older to purchase. Uh, Jeff, I hear that Oregon has a few dispensaries. There's like there's a few of them at least, maybe you, a couple of them. If you can them. find them, I mean, if you can find them, I mean, honestly, you <laughs> you can't you you can't like throw a baseball and not not hit a dispensary around here. So. <laughs> There you go. Oregon is well stocked in uh, here in Arizona with the help of OGs. We're in uh, we're in good hands as well. Um, also, a uh, quick word about Four Peaks Brewing Company. Uh, we got to broadcast from Four Peaks yesterday, which was a lot of fun. We always enjoy being out there. Jeff, I know you've spent some time in Arizona. Have you ever have you ever been to Four Peaks Brewing Company? Yes, I have. Uh, okay. and I enjoyed. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is a wonderful place. Have you had their chicken tenders? not that i recall uh not that i recall that was not the focal point of my visit was not the chicken tenders in my case that's that's fair that's fair Uh, but i will say the chicken tenders are legendary uh i got to try them yesterday and it was honestly hilarious just like walking around all of our different crew members because i'm pretty sure that everyone got chicken tenders and so There were just baskets of chicken tenders and fries, like literally everywhere. Uh, but anyway, uh, the chicken tenders are amazing uh, and they're a brewery. So they, I guess they do that part uh, pretty well, too. I guess. But uh, but anyway, uh, we really had a lot of fun with Four Peaks yesterday. Uh, so be sure to uh, find some Four Peaks at your local supermarket or, of course, visit Four Peaks uh, pub on 8th Street as we did yesterday. Um, moving on, Jeff, uh, I want to get into uh, some updates about the Diamondbacks minor league system. Yeah. Um, I know you are you are the legendary hashtag D-backs minors guy himself. Um, so you've got a, a big reputation uh, to live up to here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this has been obviously the Diamondbacks have one of the foremost farm systems yeah. in baseball at this point, depending on who you ask, it's top five or the very least top 10 although i don't necessarily see a whole lot of that at this point at least now that drew jones is in the system uh probably they're going to move up even further than yeah. they already are um but anyway uh jeff who are just some some guys that have stuck out to you this season uh maybe some guys that people are well aware of like corbin carroll mm-hmm. who a lot of people are familiar with yeah. and and maybe some guys that that some of our audience might be less familiar with yeah i think Kind of on the, you know, uh, brutally obvious side, um, you know, I actually actually kind of took this in the direction of thinking of Jordan Lawler and just thinking about like, okay, he suffers the shoulder injury, so he misses time. He spent about three weeks on the IL in the middle of this season, um, and he kind of still hasn't missed a beat. Like, uh, there was some real potential there for things to maybe slide backwards. Um, but that just yeah. isn't how it's gone at all. I mean, he looks like the real deal. Um, and I'm really excited because I think in about a week, week and a half, I'm going to get out to Hillsboro and uh, get a couple looks at him. Um, but I just, I mean, to, and maybe that even gives us a little bit of hope with, with the Drew Jones uh, shoulder situation that this isn't like a death knell. You know, it's not, it yeah. it's not that it can't be overcome, right? Corbin Carroll's done it. Um, and now Jordan Lawler's done it. And so, you know, I think if we kind of look back even just to where we were this time last year, it was, um, you know, it was Jordan Lawler was, I know a lot of people had him as the consensus number one overall talent, just like Drew Jones. He slid the D-backs pounce and they paid and they got him on board. I think that's a huge, like, that's something that they deserve some credit for because other teams were willing yeah. to pass. And they did it again with Drew Jones. So he really sticks out to me. I mean, they could have three top 10 prospects on their hands here in like very little time between Corbin yeah. Carroll, Jordan Lawler, and Drew Jones. That's, that's crazy. crazy. Um, and then on the pitching side, I, I actually really, to me, Brandon Fad is, is a guy that really sticks out um, in a year that a lot of the other pitching prospects, as Mike alluded to, have kind of taken a, a little bit of a step backwards or hit some stumbling blocks. He's been rock solid. Um, he just continues to pile on the strikeout numbers. He's not walking a bunch of guys. Um, yeah. From reports, it sounds like the stuff has taken another step forward, which is incredible. Um, he is pitching in Amarillo. Like Mike said, it's a, it's a hitter's park, and he's managing an ERA that seems to hover kind of right around four. Um, so, And he's been durable. He's taken the ball. I don't think he's missed any starts this year. Um, yeah. And so that's something. Man, fifth round pick in a shortened 2020 when scouts had a really difficult time going out and getting looks at guys. 
Uh, it was a really difficult year to scout. Um, my friends that are professional scouts, and man, it was challenging. Things were canceled, moved all over the place. I mean, really, really difficult scouting conditions. And the D-back scouts found Brandon Fad. The development has worked, and he's kind of turning into a bit of a monster. It's it's really impressive. Yeah, Jacob said in the comments, I believe Fad is now up to fourth on the prospect list today. Uh, yeah, it seemed like I kind of felt like the fact that he was a fifth round pick, that he wasn't like a first or second round pick, like some of the other guys. Yeah. Uh, scouts have maybe kind of held that against him in, in some ways. It's taken a little <laughs> bit longer for people to buy into him. From what I know, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I believe it's sort of a two-pitch mix with a fastball and a changeup, which are both seen as being pretty darn good pitches for Brandon Fat. I want to say he was working on some sort of a third or possibly a fourth pitch. Yeah. Do you do you know if he was able to do anything like that this year? I think for him, it's a slider, um, if I'm not mistaken. I think the slider okay. is actually flashed, like starting to flash plus. Like it's really taken a step forward. And that's, it's interesting, right? Because we've seen this case study before. The guy that has the fastball yeah. and the changeup, but just doesn't have spin. Um, look at Luke Weaver. Uh, Luke Weaver, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's some guys that just can't spin it, right? And there's a bunch of relievers that are fastball slider. They just don't have the feel for the change. So um, yeah. the fact that he's been able to kind of pick that up and add some add some spin to his game, I think is really impressive. Um, and it kind of opens the margin for error a little bit. You know, maybe it's not his best out pitch, but it's a pitch that he can throw, especially when facing other righties. So um, yeah, I got to like it. I mean, all the development's been really positive and I, I'm, I'm personally like getting the vibes of like, can we just skip him over Reno and just yeah. <laughs> put him in the majors before he goes to Reno and gets, you know, gets pummeled like everyone does. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that topic, right? Like, um, I wrote uh, a little bit the other day, uh, about some of these different guys, the diamondbacks have in their farm system. Um, uh, specifically guys like Drew Jamison and Ryan Nelson, who have been yeah. bigger names in the farm system for a while. Blake Walston also, I guess, is sort of part of that group um, where the numbers the numbers just do not look good. And, you know, it's hard to look at Drew Jamison's seven plus ERA and uh, and feel good about, you know, where he is at as a prospect. And I think yeah. if if the ERA is that high, like it's probably not all Reno, right? Like there's got to be something that Drew Jameson can, uh, that Dre Jameson, excuse me, can do better. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's hard to, it's hard to evaluate these guys when uh, these parks are so incredibly hitter friendly. So what do you make of guys like Dre Jameson? And uh, I guess Tommy Henry is the one guy who's, whose numbers actually look pretty good. Does this mean that Tommy Henry is like a future ace because he has a, a three and a half ERA at Reno? Yeah. What do we make of this? Yeah, I think there's something to be said for sort of the developmental curve. And so if you're in the prospects, like maybe it's something you've noticed, but um, I think in the lower levels of the minors, uh, A ball, even high A ball, and even moving into double A, like stuff plays. Like uh, you can go to uh, like even, um, you know, even in uh, Hillsborough, it's high A, but I mean, there are like some guys that come through with really good changeups and you can tell that some of the batters have just never seen like a good changeup before. Sure. Uh, and they just get demolished, right? I mean, they know what's coming. They still can't hit it. So stuff really plays. And I feel like by the time you get to AAA, like it's not just the stuff. It's, you know, you've got to use it appropriately and you've got to land it for not just strikes, but you got to be able to land it out of the zone where you want it. And it goes away from just being about control, just the ability to throw strikes when you want to and command, being able to really manipulate the baseball and make it go where you want it to go especially if that's not a strike, right? You want to get that guy to fish on something out of his own. And so I think when we look at guys like uh, Ryan Nelson and Dre Jameson, they've both been kind of knocked at times for their ability to command the baseball. They could be yeah. kind of effectively wild at times. Like to me, Dre Jameson is like a five and dive guy, you know, get him through five innings. It's going to be a bit like Robbie Ray. So throw a ton of balls, Walks sure. some guys, strike out a ton of guys. And at the end of the fifth inning, if he makes it that far, you hook him. So, um, and I think, you know, Nelson maybe isn't so much in that mold, but is similar. So I think what we're seeing is like the penalty of not being fine with your pitches. Like great stuff won't prevail as dominantly in AAA. Most of these batters have seen big league pitching before. They are yeah. not scared of 96 or 97. They ain't scared. And they know what to do with it. I think I think that's what we're seeing. Mm. 
Do you think that, uh, I know a lot of people have been angry that Tommy Henry has not made an appearance at, on the major league <laughs> roster yet. We had, we had Dallas Keuchel here for, you know, for a little while, uh, Tyler sure. Gilbert is in the rotation. They just sure. made the decision to go with Corbin Martin. A lot yep. of people might've liked to see Tommy Henry in that spot. Um, yeah. Safe to say we're going to see Tommy Henry at some point this year, I assume. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think he comes up and, and fills a spot. I think uh, you look at like Zach Davies goes, that's like an easy plug and play. They're kind of similar guys in, in a sense, right? Like not the hardest throwers. I think Henry throws harder than Davies, but um, guys that you're looking to kind of get more bulk from, like more quantity than quality sure. perhaps. So I think we do see him. Um, I'm not sure how impactful he is. Like, I think for me personally, I feel like he's probably kind of a, a stable, like four or five guy who has an ERA that hovers around four and a half. A lot of the time, the strikeout numbers aren't great. The walk numbers don't kill you and he doesn't give up too many homers. And it's just like reliable, dependable, kind of keeps you in the game. Sure. Sounds like, sounds like Zach Davies. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the guy like there, Davies. but... But Corbin Martin, I mean, I know Mike touched on it, but Corbin Martin, like if we think long-term, he's a guy, I mean, he was a centerpiece of the trade for Granky. It was yeah. great to get dropped for loss. That's great. They yeah. need Corbin Martin to contribute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think Corbin Martin was a guy that Diamondbacks had been targeting for years. And yeah. uh, it was only, the story was that it was only because of the fact that he had Tommy John surgery that suddenly the Astros were willing to move him in that deal. A lot of people forget he broke into the majors at 23 years old and yep. had like pretty big time stuff. And we all know what the Houston Astros tend to do with, with, you know, starting pitchers that come up at 23, they tend right. to be pretty darn good, at least in that organization. Uh, of course, the D-backs have, have since stolen their pitching coach. So uh, yeah. maybe, maybe some of that, some of that good fortune carries over to Arizona, to Arizona now. Um, someone mentioned earlier, uh, a guy the Diamondbacks took in the MLB draft. I think it was Nate Savino. I saw a comment about him. Um, earlier, Ryan Murphy said, how is Nate Savino as a prospect? I'm a huge cards and Suns fan, but I went to high school with Nate and saw he was drafted mm -hmm. by the Diamondbacks. So that's a yeah. fun connection. Um, Jeff, uh, taken in the third round by the D-backs, Savino is a lefty out of the University of Virginia. Um, he was ranked 116th by MLB Pipeline for whatever that's worth. Yeah. Um, I know MLB Pipeline's rankings are... Uh, you know, that is the end all be all, of course, right? That is what truly yes. defines how good all of these guys are going to wind up being. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that number is probably uh, probably not all that important. Um, but I know the Diamondbacks were uh, were impressed with Savino. He's someone that they've scouted for a while. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've picked up on on any other information about him. Yeah, I think I think they had interest in him going back to high school. So yeah. he's been on the radar for quite some time. Um, and I think his stuff has just kind of bounced around a little bit um, at UVA. And so I think it kind of sounds to me like they're sort of buying this notion that his stuff can continue to improve um, Yeah, because he's kind of flashed it at times. And so, um, gosh, you know, sometimes, you know, this stuff just, just backs up a little bit. Um, it sounds like this spring, this stuff kind of backed up a little bit. So can yeah. he get that back? Um, you know, it sounds like they seem to think that he can, um, I think that interesting thing to watch here, and like this is a great case study, is that the Diamondbacks have been knocked like time and time again for their inability to develop pitchers. And so yeah. just praising kind of like the way Fad has taken these steps forward, right? And really kind sure. of morphed this guy who looks like, oh, this guy could pitch like in the middle of your rotation yeah. for a while. Um, what do they do with Savino? Like it hmm. might be a similar, I mean, I know he's a lefty, but it might be like, is it a similar setup where you think you can like, this is what it is at present. And we think in two years, it can be this. And if that's the case, then they're really betting on their player development abilities to like coax that out of him. So um, I'm really fascinated. He seems like an interesting bet, right? Because I think of like Landon Sims, the guy's like grip and rip. I mean, he throws hard. Yeah. Um, we think of uh, Ray, the reliever out of Alabama, yeah, um, Dylan Ray. Yeah. Dylan Ray, another guy who's just like, you know, power arm, pure relief, you know. Uh, that's not Savino at all. Like, it's more of a touch and feel sort of guy that's been sort of working up into the mid 90s on occasion. And then the stuff kind of backed up. So I'm super interested to see how they can help him develop because there might really be something there. 
another big name the D-backs took in the draft, other than Drew Jones, of course. Um, I think we've we've talked about Drew Jones quite a bit uh, on the show already. Of course, his uh, his injury. Maybe we should probably touch on that real quick, Jeff. What what it, what exactly is it with uh, D-backs first round picks and uh, their shoulders breaking down instantly? I'm not really sure what to make of this. <laughs> it's just like. Uh... Yeah, like I I will donate my shoulder to Drew Jones. Uh, there you go. You know, tomorrow I don't whatever. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know just the odds of this. Like uh, I was explaining this, right? <laughs> my wife, who is like not uh, not super into baseball, you know, hears way too much of it from me. Uh, she was like, how like again? <laughs> how is that possible? Like how is yeah. that possible? And it's it's pretty insane. Um, and I know this kind of got a lot of press, right? The Corbin Carrolls, um, the Jordan Lawler, like sitting with the scouts, right? Like taking in the game and using this time to learn. I think it's a new marketing efficiency. You injure yeah. your marquee prospects, <laughs> let them really observe and learn the game and then deploy them. So sneak <laughs> Sneaky move, D-backs, but I see. <laughs> there you go. It's all part of the plan. Uh, the name <laughs> the name I was getting to, of course, was another uh, sort of headliner pick from the Diamondbacks draft. Ivan Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic, right? Uh, he won the Golden Spikes Award, which is basically the college baseball equivalent of the Heisman. Like, he was very, yeah. very, very good for the Texas Longhorns. Um it's sort of a sort of an interesting like you don't see guys who are strictly first baseman get taken this high in the draft very often. It's a lot no. of shortstops, a lot of center fielders. Um, so you can sort of buy, I guess, the Diamondbacks really believe in his bat and his ability to translate what he did at the University of Texas to the major league level. Um, how what do you what do you think about this this selection? The Diamondbacks going with him maybe a little bit higher than some other teams would have. Like it's a fun, it's another like fun bet to me, you know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> not only is he a first baseman, but he's like a right-handed hitting first baseman, which is yeah. generally like less desirable. Um, sure. and then at the same time, he just absolutely raked, um, you know, and, and he played in, in a good conference, you know, when he played at Texas. So it's not like, uh, you know, he wasn't in the middle of nowhere hitting D three homers. Um, so I'm not sure. I mean, and it's kind of a need for the team. Uh, there's, they don't have, like, if we think about all the guys they have coming up, um, we kind of have seen what Alec Thomas is at present. And I think he will round into like even better form, but it's still going to be 15 ish homers and a lot of doubles. Um, sure. Corbin Carroll is probably going to be pretty similar. Uh, yeah. Jordan Lawler, maybe a little more well-rounded, but like, I don't know that I think he's going to be hitting 40 bombs um, or, or Drew Jones. So like what they're kind of missing, they have all these athletic types. They're kind of missing is that like middle of the order, just masher. Um, yeah. And I hope, I think that's what they're hoping uh, Melendez can be. So uh, it's always really interesting. I mean, Christian Walker is playing at like a 10% above league average clip right now as a hitter. And he's playing first base. Yeah. It feels kind of light. Like it's kind of light, like it's fine, but it's kind of light. I mean, you've got to be that good or better to be considered, you know, to be considered really like an everyday mainstay as a right-handed hitting first baseman. So yeah, are, you, are we thinking Melendez is better than what Christian Walker is right now? He's got a long ways to go to even reach sort of that level, let alone exceed sure. it. It's all about the bat, man. He's got to hit and he's got to hit for power and he's got to do it all the time. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're buying the nickname more than anything else, right? I mean, it's Hispanic, a good nickname. Hispanic, like it is an excellent nickname. Yeah. Um, it's a good yeah nickname. I, I definitely would not have let that nickname pass me up if I were drafting <laughs> in, in the MLB draft. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> we'll have to see how, uh, how things pan out for, uh, for Melendez and, yeah. uh, hopefully Drew Jones is able to, um, have a relatively quick recovery, although it does not sound particularly optimistic at this point. The D-backs, there have been multiple reports that have said he's going to miss the season. So that seems yeah. like pretty much a, a foregone conclusion at this point. 
Um, but anyway, when uh, things are like this for the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, um, you can uh, try to get over your troubles by going over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and making yourself some money. This is what I always recommend people do. Uh, so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, everyone. Use promo code PHNX. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code PHNX. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, Jeff, is is DraftKings Sportsbook, is that sort of thing legal in the state of Oregon? I'm I, guessing I it may not so. be. Is it? I okay. It is. I mean, uh, okay. I know I see it on ads and stuff, even during like laser games and stuff. So I think it's legal. There you go. There you go. Yeah, well, it definitely has a way of, you know, once online sports betting is legalized, like in your metro area, then, mm-hmm. you know, there are signs everywhere. Uh, when I first, my, my, the first time that I came back to downtown Phoenix after online sports betting was legalized, there were just signs for like Caesar Sportsbook and DraftKings yeah. and FanDuel yeah. and stuff. There's just billboards everywhere. So they basically uh, they basically take over the town. But anyway, uh, with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can have a great time. Uh, of course, it's it's baseball season, everyone. So yeah. you should go bet on some baseball games. Um, Derek bet on the Yankees yesterday, which I'm not sure we'll ever forgive him for. But <laughs> that's that's why that's why we kicked him out, and he's off to Disneyland now. Um, <laughs> our uh, our uh, final sponsor that we want to get to is Foco. Uh, Foco, they make amazing bobbleheads. And uh, Jeff, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Ooh. but due to supply chain issues, there are no bobblehead giveaways this year for the Diamondbacks. It is truly devastating across the board. So uh, everyone is sad without bobbleheads at Chase Field this season, but FOCO can help you out. You can get some amazing bobbleheads uh, over with them. Uh, We are partnering with a leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. That is FOCO. FOCO has got you covered with the best Arizona merchandise. They have officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids, and everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. It's not just bobbleheads. They have some other pretty cool things as well. Uh, Josh says, I checked out FOCO last night and they are not kidding about the bobbleheads. They do have some pretty, pretty incredible selection over there. Uh, So head on over to FOCO.com or click the link below in the description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHNX and you'll get 10% off. So there's a sweet little deal uh, for you if you're going to go order some Diamondbacks bobbleheads. Uh, Jeff, that's just about all that we have for today. We only went 52 minutes, which I feel like when you and I would do a show, we were liable to go, you know, hour and 15, hour and 30, depending on what was going on. Um, but we'll we'll be merciful today and, and shut up a little bit sooner for everyone. Uh, but Jeff, this has been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on today. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, fun to talk to you, Bax. Fun to talk to you. Fun to talk to Mike. Um, and uh, thank you, Derek, for not being here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure Derek is just is just about willing to take a day off whenever you want to allow him to, Jeff. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you just uh, you just let us know, and I'm sure he'll run off to Disneyland uh, in a moment's notice. Uh, but anyway, thank you all so much. Uh, for joining us here today. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks again to Mike Farron uh, for hopping on the show with us. Uh, we have no show uh, tomorrow or Saturday. We are off for a couple of days, but we'll be back on Sunday for a post-series show uh, after the Atlanta Braves series. So hopefully the Diamondbacks can continue their momentum in Atlanta, and we will see you all then. <laughs>